You're listening to audio from Trinity West Seattle. For other resources, more information about this sermon series, or to connect with us, visit our website, www.trinityws.com. Well, let's pause a moment in prayer, uh, and then we'll jump into God's Word. God, we thank you for this time. We pray, God, that you would soften our hearts so that we can hear your words and be changed by them, encouraged so that we can come before the Father in bold prayers. We ask, Lord, that you would be with me and you would be with us, those who are watching, um, and you would work in our hearts. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, from an actual need that I had, I, um, far from an actual need that I had, I, um, I really wanted this new Sony Walkman as a kid, but it was expensive. It wasn't just any old Walkman. It was the Sony Walkman WM-101. It had advanced features with auto-reverse and rechargeable batteries. It was the latest high-tech portable music player, which was a little bigger than a cassette tape. You guys know what that is, right? It was the raddest way to listen to music in the 80s. I knew it would be a stretch for my parents to afford it, so I begged my mom for days chanting like a monk, Walkman, Walkman. Walkman, in the hallway, on the couch, and during meals. My, my mom finally caved in. He, she talked with my dad about it and bought me the Sony Walkman WM-101. I was so happy to listen to Michael Jackson and Lionel Richie on my new Walkman. My parents took delight in giving me what I wanted and seeing my joy and satisfaction in listening to music in this new device. While it took persistence, a lot of nagging, and a little arm twisting of my mom. My parents got me what I asked for. Now, obviously, we don't always get what we ask for, but I wonder how many of you had generous parents who gave you not only what you needed, but sometimes what you wanted. Now, unlike my parents and All our parents who had limited resources, we have a generous Heavenly Father who, out of His unlimited resources, desires to bless His children with good gifts. And in our text today, Jesus invites His kingdom people who are God's children to ask our Heavenly Father for His good gifts in prayer. As Jesus revisits the topic of prayer in the Sermon on the Mount today, uh, we will look at this text in what it's saying in these three things. Number one, the perception of our Heavenly Father and the gift of prayer. And secondly, how we pray and what we pray for. And then lastly, look at a glimpse into the prayer life of Jesus. So why does Jesus return to the topic of prayer again in his Sermon on the Mount? Well, if you remember, Jesus covered the topic of prayer several weeks ago in our series, and he taught us how and how not to pray. I think Jesus revisits this important topic of prayer as he is concluding the Sermon on the Mount because ultimately, living as ambassadors of God's kingdom in the way that Jesus has described it in the Sermon on the Mount is only possible by God's power and the new life that he gives to us through prayer. 
We can't possibly live the life God wants, wants us to live out of our own strength. Think about the ways in which kingdom people are called to live. We are to rejoice and be glad when persecuted by those who say all kinds of evil against us as we represent Jesus. This seems rather impossible to do, humanly speaking. We're, we're called to work for spiritual treasure rather than loving money and acquiring more stuff. Another high calling. We are to trust in God rather than worry about the unknown future, which is our human tendency. We are called to stop looking down on those who we think are inferior. Our sin of pride is perhaps the most pernicious of all the sins because we can be prideful about all sorts of nonsense things. These are just a few of the supernatural ways that Jesus calls us to live in his Sermon on the Mount. Now, how can anyone live like this apart from the transforming power of King Jesus working in our hearts through prayer? And how can we live out God's will in our lives without submitting ourselves under Jesus' loving authority? We need the power of the Holy Spirit availed to us through prayer so that we can live like this. Now, the ways of the world run counter to the ways of Jesus' kingdom, his upside-down kingdom, which is actually the right side up. We need a radical change in our relationship with God so that we are empowered by his spirit through prayer to live rightly in the way God intended for his kingdom people to live. So Jesus, again, invites us to pray in asking in seeking and knocking, in persistent prayer before a generous and loving Father who is in heaven. But our perception of what God is like will absolutely impact our prayer life. And how we view God the Father will determine how we relate with God through prayer. So let's ask ourselves this. How do you view God the Father? And this is our point one our perception of our Heavenly Father. Now, during Jesus' time, most people in the Roman Empire believed the gods of the pagan world were selfish, spiteful, and even unforgiving. So people would basically try to appease these powerful and selfish gods and even try to bribe them through their offering in the temple of these gods. The pagan gods were often seen as harsh and revengeful and even stingy. So there was a lot of transactional offerings brought before these gods so that they could get what they wanted. Sadly, the way many Christians relate with our Heavenly Father today is also transactional. If we do enough good, de good deeds, then, then God will listen to us. But if we don't live up to God's standards, then we shouldn't really expect anything from God at all. In fact, we should be afraid of God who might strike us and punish us. Our distorted view about God often keeps us away from coming to God, from wanting to be close to Him and asking Him what we need. Sometimes it's our fear of rejection or the sense that we're not worthy of God's good gifts that keeps us from God. Or we simply don't ask because we think that he's distant. He really doesn't care about the details of our lives. Now, Jesus corrects 
all our mistaken and distorted views about our Heavenly Father with a simple illustration about how earthly fathers relate with their kids to, ha- to highlight how much more our Heavenly Father cares for us. We are going to work our way through the text, beginning with the last three verses of today's passage first. Look at verses 9 through 11. Or which one of you, if his son asked him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asked for a fish, will give him a serpent? Or if you, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Now, if a son is hungry and asks his dad for food, would the dad be so cruel to give his son a rock that looks like a bread? Of course not. Uh, if a daughter asked her mom for fish sticks, would the mom give live scorpions that could sting her? Absolutely not. That would never happen. Parents love their kids and give them what they need and delight in giving good gifts to their children. Right? Is there a parent out there who doesn't delight in watching their child uh, enjoy a donut and hot chocolate while they smile and eat all the crumbs and lick their fingers? Jesus is saying, if earthly parents delight in giving good things to their children, how much more does our Heavenly Father desire to give good gifts to His children? And to emphasize this point, Jesus says something almost shocking in verse 11. He says, If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to, give, give good gifts to your children. And we ask, who are evil? But Jesus, in these few words, separates himself from, with humanity. And he says, you who are evil. Jesus doesn't include himself by saying, we being evil, because Jesus, he is sinless, he is holy, and he has no evil in him. Jesus is not saying that all human beings are as bad as they can be or evil in all that they do. What Jesus is saying is that apart from faith in his saving work on the cross for us, we are evil. That is to say, self-centered, living by the standards of our fallen and broken world. We are evil in the sense that we are not God-centered, living according to kingdom values. We are tainted by sin. So our natural tendency is to rebel against God and oppose his kingdom authority. We are evil in that apart from Jesus' saving work, we don't want to have anything to do with God and his authority over us. And in spite of many shortcomings as parents, although we are sinful and self-centered people, earthly parents know how to give good gifts to their kids. So by contrast, how much more would our Heavenly Father, who is always good and holy and pure and gracious, know how to give good gifts to His children? He will never steer us wrong. He's perfectly wise to give us exactly what we need when we need it. There's absolutely, He he wants the best things for us. He wants wants us to have the abundant life in Christ. He's given us inheritance as sons and daughters of God. And it is absolutely astounding what Jesus is saying about how generously our Heavenly Father wants to bless His children. Think about a time when your 
mom or dad gave you a gift or somehow expressed their care and love for you by giving you something. I remember as a junior high school student, my dad would secretly slip in a $5 bill or a $10 bill in my wallet that was left out in the living room. He, he wanted me to have money to buy snacks after school. It's funny that he still tries to do that when I visit him in L.A. He'll <laughs> slip me a 20 or if he's really generous, he'll slip me a 100 sometimes. Now, Jesus is saying if evil and imperfect parents love to shower their kids with good gifts who have limited resources, how much more would our Heavenly Father delight in blessing us, who is the creator of the world with infinite resources and boundless riches? You may say that it's too good to be true, and of course you are right. Yet we have been adopted as his sons and daughters, and it is it, it has always been too good to be true, yet it is true. God's children are then rightly invited by Jesus to ask their heavenly Father for blessings and his gifts to be given to them. What an incredible invitation. Are you holding on to distorted views about your heavenly Father? Oftentimes, our relationships with our earthly fathers can give us a false view of what our heavenly father is actually like. Do you have a hard time believing that God is a generous, gift-giving father? If you are, ask God to heal your heart and to restore a right relationship with your heavenly father. Ask God to take away the fear shame and guilt and performance-oriented relationship you may have with him, and then receive God's gifts of forgiveness and faith, repentance, and acceptance on the basis of Jesus' perfect life lived for you. Please know that you can confidently call out to your heavenly Father and experience God as a generous and gracious Father only through accepting the sacrifice of Jesus who died for our sins on the cross and gave us the record of His perfect life that we could never live. We get the privilege and honor of becoming children of God when we believe in Jesus and we become heirs of God's promises in his word. If you don't know Jesus today, we would love to talk with you about getting to know him. Please come and find me. Love to talk to you. Now, God being our father means that he takes special interest in you he wants to help you, and he wants the best for you. God will never give you anything that is evil. Never. God, our Father, will only give you what is good because he is, he is a good Father. Even when what we get seems bad as a result of our sin or, or someone else's sin against us or, or just the fallenness of the world and resulting in sickness and even wars that plague Whoa, the light came on. <laughs> he is able to redeem those bad things in our lives to make them beautiful in our lives in his time. This is the kind of God that we serve. Sometimes through hardships, we get to experience God more, not less. 
And that can be a tremendous gift that eases the weight of suffering. Even when we don't understand what is going on, God is good, and He is good all the time. Now, there may be times when we wrongly assume that God is against us and doesn't care about us because life gets really hard. But our Heavenly Father is not like any earthly father who may have the best of intentions but fails and often comes up short. Our Heavenly Father never has to apologize to His children because He will never make a mistake in what He gives us and how He relates with us. Our Heavenly Father knows everything and has absolute knowledge of our coming and going, our past and our future. God knows our motivations and He sees the deepest parts of our hearts. Don't you know that you are in the Father's hands? And if you believe this, And know this deep down inside of your heart. You can breathe a sigh of relief and rest in God's loving hands. God knows you and he loves you and he looks out for your best interest. Now ultimately, our Heavenly Father wants to have a growing and intimate relationship with us. So he provides us with the gift of prayer and he invites us to ask him for good gifts. The best things in life are not things, they are relationships. And he gives us the best and most fulfilling relationship of all. He gives us himself. And we can talk to God personally through prayer. This is the most astounding thing, that we have the audience of the creator of the universe, the savior of our souls, that we have his attentive ear and care and his heart. This is the ultimate gift God has given to us to talk with him personally through prayer. So our loving Father has given us this incredible gift to know him and ask of him through prayer. Then how should we pray? And what should we pray about? This takes us to our second point. How we pray and what we pray has everything to do with how we view God as our gracious Father. If we believed that God was stingy and disinterested in us, then we would not bother asking God. Why would we? If we believed God was angry with us and waiting to pounce on us, we would never approach him out of fear. Jesus is inviting his disciples to confidently come before a generous heavenly father who wants to give his good gifts to us. And this will make all the difference in how we pray and what we pray. Look at verses eight and, uh, 7 and 8 with me. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, for everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be open. Now this sounds great. But how is Jesus inviting us to pray? Now looking at the words ask, seek, and knock, it, it, it would be better translated as Keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. We don't just pray once and stop because we think it didn't work or or that God didn't hear. We are invited to pray persistently, not in some sort of empty and rote repetition, but with perseverance, knowing that as we pray, we come before the face of our loving Father. It is hard when it feels like God doesn't hear 
or that it appears that God is silent. Jesus is saying, don't be discouraged. Don't grow weary in asking, in seeking, and knocking because God is faithful even when it seems like he's silent. We are called to pray persistently with confidence before our Heavenly Father. In other words, we are to keep on praying. Asking, seeking, and knocking are not three separate actions, but Jesus' emphasis on the perseverance and sincerity of praying before a generous Father. Seeking and knocking are intensification of the word ask. It's a warning against allowing our desire in prayer to wane and then try something different other than prayer. Jesus is saying, don't give up, but be diligent in pursuing our Heavenly Father who is merciful and loving and gracious. The intensity of prayer Jesus is inviting us into suggests that we are not to be passive in our prayer life. For example, if we are seeking God's direction for a new career or a job, we are to work on our resume, network with people, and connect with recruiters while we continually are seeking God's guidance and praying to a God who loves to give us a job and a way for us to worship Him and and to provide for us and our family. Have you given up on on praying to your Heavenly Father? You can start praying again today. Come before our gracious and loving Father and bring your request to Him. Bring your weary hearts. Bring your broken relationships and life's disappointments. Our Father wants to provide what you need and delights to give good gifts. So what should we pray for? Can I ask for anything like I would a genie? Well, we know that God is not a genie, but we often treat him that way. You know, as a kid, I often thought about how I would answer a genie if given three wishes. Okay, first wish, genie, give me infinite wishes, right? Then I can have everything I want, right? Am I the only one who thought that? No, okay. Obviously, Jesus is not giving us a blank check to ask for whatever we want. We know that our asking and our seeking and knocking should always be in the context of the relationship that we have with our Heavenly Father who loved us so much that He sent His only Son to save us from sin, to reconcile us to God the Father and to one another. We are to pray for His will to be done in our lives, which is the best thing for us. We become sons and daughters of God, brought into God's loving family, and we belong to God. We have been given citizenship into the kingdom of God and sent out as ambassadors of God's kingdom, as peacemakers, as ministers of reconciliation, representatives of King Jesus in displaying grace and mercy and justice and love. So what should we pray for? Let me suggest two areas we can focus our prayer prayer on as we ask, seek, and knock before our generous God. Number one is to pray for wisdom, and secondly, pray that God would transform our complaints into 
prayer before God. And I'll explain what I mean by that in a little bit. So number one, pray for wisdom. Can we all agree that life is complicated and hard? We just don't have all the answers to the many questions of life, and we often feel lost. Well, in the book of James, he writes, If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. I need more of God's wisdom. You need more of God's wisdom, especially when we're going through life's trials so that we don't make foolish mistakes, but rather wisely make decisions that honor Jesus. The wisdom that we are invited to ask before a generous God is not gaining more street smarts or book knowledge or even experiential knowledge but a God-given and God-centered discernment in navigating the practical issues of life. We need God's wisdom to work through difficult relationships, struggles in our workplaces, and planning for the future. Ask God for wisdom in the areas of your life where you need God's guidance and direction. Our Heavenly Father will give you wisdom that you need. I was texting with a friend this week, And he told me that he often prays to God before having a serious and sensitive conversation uh, with, with people asking God to give him the words that need to be spoken. And he said, God always comes through. And he confessed that he was annoyed that it took him so long to realize that God really provides us wisdom when we ask him. Have you experienced this? Do you want to experience this? Well, God invites you today. Ask God for wisdom today who gives generously the wisdom that we need. Secondly, pray that God would transform our complaints into prayer before God. I don't know about you, but have you found yourself complaining about something, let's say, in the last couple of years? How about on the topic of masks? What about vaccine mandates? Have you ever grumbled about a politician who you don't like and their decisions? We can talk ad nauseum about the policies of our political opponents ruining our cities and weakening our nation. We are all guilty of complaining and sharing our views about why the other side is so wrong and crazy. But I want to ask a serious question. How much of our complaining and pointing out what is wrong with our world, have you brought before God in asking and seeking for a solution that honors Jesus and brings more of His kingdom to come and His will to be done on earth as it is in heaven? We are all guilty of spending more time and energy criticizing what is wrong with our world then humbling ourselves before God in prayer to ask, to seek, and knock before the face of God to truly transform people's hearts and bring about restoration in this broken world. Can we all agree that the ultimate solution to our many problems points to people's hearts needing to be changed by the gospel of grace and more people needing to submit under the loving authority of Jesus. We can start asking God for the blessing 
of the unity that Jesus died for, of, of the churches here in this region, so that we would be a bright light in the dark world that we're in. We can pray against violence in our own city to go down and more of God's kingdom of peace to be established. Yes, we can pray for peace in the Ukraine. We can pray for restoration in Haiti. We can pray that God's kingdom come in the Dominican Republic. We can pray for our political leaders to legislate justly for the common good of our cities, knowing that God is the true judge over every political leader. What if we took the list of our complaints of what's wrong with our world and begin to pray over those issues, asking God to heal, to save, to restore, to transform, to bring about justice and to redeem this broken world? God promises to hear our prayers and act on our behalf. So let's repent of all of our complaining and grumbling about what's wrong with the world and start seeking God to intervene and work powerfully in all the brokenness that we see around us. The promise Jesus gives to his children is that those who ask, it will be given to them. Those who seek, they will find. Those who knock, it will be opened to them. What an amazing promise Jesus gives to his kingdom people. You may be asking, well, well, what about unanswered prayers? Well, the book of James helps us again by showing us the kind of prayers Jesus will not answer. In James chapter 4, verse 3, he says, You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. So as you persist in prayer before your generous Heavenly Father, asking, seeking, and knocking, God's Spirit will convict you and correct your prayers that are not motivated, that are motivated by selfish desires so that you can pray according to God's will. Jesus wants us to ask and encourages us to seek and knock in prayer before a generous and loving Father. Does God know what we need before we ask? Of course. But God chooses to work through the prayers of his saints. He chooses to limit himself to the extent of our prayers, and he chooses us, weaklings, to do his will, to do his work here on earth. Jesus wants us to keep on asking because it helps to foster a closer relationship with our Heavenly Father through the dialogue of prayer. Jesus, the Son of God, knew something about the intimate relationship with His Father as we take a glimpse into the prayer life of Jesus, our third and last point. Jesus, who is not only our example, but provides access to our Father. Now, Jesus didn't just give us best practices for kingdom living in how and what we pray for, but he himself demonstrated what an intimate relationship with God the Father looks like. Jesus loved and trusted in his Father, and the Father loved Jesus as they expressed their love for one another. At Jesus' baptism, the Father explicitly declares, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. 
Now, Jesus trusted in his heavenly father so completely that Jesus says he can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he, what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. Jesus' prayer life demonstrated how much confidence and trust he had in his father. In one example we find in the book of John in chapter 11, Jesus slowly makes his way to Lazarus' house because he received word that his friend was sick. But Jesus intentionally arrived after Lazarus had died. Now once he gets to Lazarus' town, Jesus tells them to remove the stone at the entrance of the tomb. And he offered a prayer in front of all the mourners. And he prayed this in John chapter 11. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I set this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. Jesus had supreme confidence that God the Father will always hear his prayer. So he thanks, thanks his Father for having heard him even before he calls out Lazarus from the tomb and performs a spectacular miracle in raising dead Lazarus back to life. On another occasion, in one of Jesus' most agonizing and difficult period towards the end of his earthly ministry, Jesus cried out in anguish to his father as he faced his imminent death, the most horrible death any man can endure, execution on a cross. But more excruciating to Jesus than the coming physical pain was the wrath and judgment he was to receive from God as he took on our sins upon himself. Jesus prays this prayer at the Garden of Gethsemane and he cries out, My father, if it be possible. Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. See, because Jesus loved the Father and had complete confidence in his Father, he was able to submit to the Father's will fully, even knowing that he would have to suffer death and the unleashing of God's wrath upon him for our sin on the cross. That is absolute trust Jesus had in his Father. While hanging on the cross, Jesus in his final moments cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? While coming under God's judgment and ultimately dying while bearing our sins. Jesus died for us. But praise God, he did not remain in death, but gloriously resurrected on the third day to conquer sin, Satan, and death. Now anyone who believes in Jesus is brought near to God, our gracious Father, and can confidently approach him to ask, seek, and knock. Because of Jesus' obedience to his Father, even unto death on the cross, God exalted Jesus to the highest place at the right hand of God where he is now enthroned and ruling. It is in the most powerful name of Jesus we are invited to boldly pray before our Heavenly Father. Jesus, he paved the way by his blood and by his example. Jesus, who sits at the right hand of God, is also interceding for us as our advocate. And he is pleading our case before God. And what is more is that God sent 
sent us the gift of the Holy Spirit to help us in our weakness because He knows that we often don't know what to pray for. So the Spirit of God intercedes for us so that we can pray according to God's will. My sisters and brothers, let us pray with confidence before our gracious Father, asking seeking and knocking in the powerful and beautiful name of Jesus because we have a loving Father who draws us near through prayer because we have been given this awesome gift of prayer where we can redeem our complaints into prayers before God of the universe who loves to hear us and because Jesus has paved the way for us to be close to God, our Father, in prayer. Amen? As you gather in your community groups to pray, consider these two questions. What kind of relationship do you have with your Heavenly Father? And how does it impact your prayer life? And second question, what are you praying to your Heavenly Father about? And invite others to pray with you. Let's pause a moment in prayer. God, as we come before you boldly through the sacrifice of Jesus... Lord, we just pray that your spirit would help us. Help us in our distorted views of our Heavenly Father. Remove the fear, remove the shame, remove the guilt, God, so that we can boldly, confidently come before you knowing that you love us so much so that we can openly just share our requests before you, God. Lord, if there... If there's anyone, Lord, who is afraid, God, gently draw us close to you. Work in us, God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to audio from Trinity West Seattle. For more information about our services or to connect with us, visit our website, www.trinityws.com. Thanks for listening.